You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what's going on, sir? Not much. Still kind of uh, a waiting game with Demarcus Lawrence. Still uh, about a month out from uh, the draft. Is that right? And uh, yeah, we're getting, well, a little less than that. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. And so yeah, we're we're kind of getting through these days, like all. F- Furiously refreshing Twitter to see if uh, we <laughs> find out uh, some news. Uh, it's just, you know, we're kind of in a holding pattern at this point. All right, so today we are going to answer some of your questions. And we've got some really good ones. we got some kind of silly ones. And uh, we're going to jump right into the one that I kind of find interesting. Actually, a couple of different people have asked this. But um, people are concerned about Rico Gathers, Landon. Oh, and they my wanna, God. They want to find... <laughs> A spot for Rico on the team. So I think it's pretty safe to say, listen, I've been on the Rico train for a while. Pretty safe to say his roster spot might be in jeopardy this year with Witten, Schultz, Jarwin, maybe somebody else. Is there anything else the Cowboys could do on the roster to to keep him around? Could they potentially make him an offensive tackle? We've seen that before with Jeremy Parnell. Is there any other thing they can do with him to kind of save his roster spot? I mean, I don't really know what his practice squad eligibility is, but I imagine he probably still has some left. Yeah, I'm sure he does. That's where I'm thinking. I mean, look, like, he's been given a... He's been given a full opportunity to do this, and, and you know they, they've gotten to a certain degree. Um, he's gotten better, and to his credit, he's actually gotten. I, I thought he was dramatically better last year than we've ever seen him before. Sure, but that's still. I mean, he needed to be dramatically better to even warrant a spot on the roster. So, right? Uh, you know, I just think that he's still got a long ways to go. I think they've got two or three other guys who are, uh, you know, two other guys who are. Young as well and developing as well. Um, I, I just don't know. Like, I mean, look, we're, we're talking about trying to change his position again to try to keep him on the team. What are, what are we doing here? Like, ultimate, seriously. Like, I, I, I just think you're trying to find a way to keep a player that you guys like. I don't know. Like, this, it, it didn't work. It, it, maybe it will work someplace else, but it's not working here that well. I just, I don't know that. There's a reason to keep trying to give this guy chances. And it's not that he's not taking advantage of the chances. It's just, you know, we've got other things at the position, and, and it's time to kind of move on. And maybe, you know, he can keep uh, – maybe he can catch on someplace else and develop a little bit more and, and kind of, you know, like an F.A. Obata situation where it's like, yeah. you know – he just he he needs to advance his technique and his career a little bit before he's ready to be considered on a fifty-three or a forty, especially a forty-six man roster. You know, uh, so I, I think at this point he needs to he needs to go continue to be, go to a place where he's going to get that work. I don't know that the Cowboys are going to be that place anymore. Uh, you know, especially if they end up drafting another tight end in the draft. You know, I just think I just think it's. <sighs> He's yeah. just, he just there's no there's no room in the end anymore. 
I, I still think it's worth holding on to him on the practice squad if that's an option. You know, if if you get because again, we have seen some growth from him over the last couple of years, and that's what we wanted to see. But is the problem is if he's going to be the fourth tight end, he's got to do special yeah. team stuff, and I'm not sure that's a thing. But could he stick around in the practice squad? And if somebody goes down, you at least have somebody who knows the scheme, well, kind of knows the scheme and. <laughs> Uh, knows the place, sure. I think that's possible, but um, I, I I don't think a position switches in his future. I, at least I don't. That's not going to help him. Like I mean, look, this no, it's guy only needs hurt him. this guy needs as many snaps at one position as this guy can get in order to become an NFL player. Like if you keep moving him in different spots around, then what are we even doing here? Like this, yeah, you know, I agree. Keep him at tight end. If he's got practice squad eligibility, put him on the practice squad. If not, let some other team pick him up and, and, and develop him and, and, and say good luck to you, and, and we hope the best. I, I just don't know that we need to kill ourselves trying to keep this guy on the team. <laughs> Somebody asked if he can play defensive tackle like David Irving. Uh, probably not, but no. that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. All right, this question comes from Paul. I'm going to switch it up a little bit, but he asked, what is one surprise pick at 58 the Cowboys could do? Uh, let's change that to position. What is a position that the Cowboys could potentially pick at 58 that would surprise you a little bit? You know, I, I thought like about... With, t- uh, with tight end? I'm going to bring up a player, but but by proxy th- his position, because I don't know that they would necessarily draft this player, this position, okay. specifically. And I mean specifically the position that this player plays, not the gen- generic version, okay? Okay. What would happen if... Uh, oh, great. Now I've totally forgotten his name. Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, Demarcus... Uh, the, the 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 big nose tackle from uh, Clemson. Oh, Demarcus Lawrence. De- Demarcus or Dexter Lawrence. Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence. That's Dexter Lawrence. It, that's that's the problem is that I was thinking Demarcus Lawrence. I was like, no, that's not right. Dexter Lawrence. I got you. <laughs> Dexter I Lawrence. Got you. Yes. If Dexter Lawrence was to fall to fifty-eight, or let's say he fell to like 50. fifty-six or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Would would that be someone that the Cowboys would consider? Like, I, I don't now know. You're talking. I like this. See, because uh, I, I mean that's that's to, okay. So because here's here's why it's interesting because one he could fall because it, just because absolutely. of the but you know he is a technically a a, a run stopping you know nose tackle. I I think he has a little bit better value than just that. I, I mean I'm not saying that he's you know I'm putting him in in my NASCAR package, but I'm saying that I think he could push the pocket. I think he's a force. I think guards would struggle to block him one on one at times because of you know how powerful and quick he is considering his size. If he were to fall to fifty eight, I mean the Cowboys I don't know are necessarily like looking to sure. to to draft a nose tackle specifically, a one technique. But that that dude's a really talented defensive lineman and, and if he makes it all the way down to where the Cowboys are, there's a very high probability that he is by far the most talented defensive lineman available at that spot. Yeah, let's talk about him a little bit because I'm so glad that you brought him up. Uh, came into the combine at six four and a half, three hundred and forty two pounds, a wingspan of eighty four inches, almost thirty five inch arms, uh, ten inch hands, and then he goes and runs a five oh five forty yard dash while pulling his quad while running it. I mean, luckily for him, he's not going to have 
to run uh, 40 yards very often. But I, I again, don't think 90s, people, yeah, I don't think people really, I mean, because it's a 5040. I don't think people realize how insanely impressive that is. He ran a right. five flat forty at three hundred and forty-two pounds. Sure, that's um, moving, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and again, despite having thirty-five inch arms, did thirty-six reps on the bench press. Yeah. I mean, he is a special, special athlete, and that's. I think that's the only reason why we're even having this conversation. If he was only a good athlete. We kind of know what Rob Marinelli's feelings are on those tackles, but if he got down to maybe, what if he played at 325 or 330? Could he be a significant difference maker on this team? We Could he be like a Don Terry Poe in his prime? I mean, I think that's interesting, if, if nothing else, right? I, you know, I, I think it's one of those things. I, I love guys like this where, you know, they're on a major program, they were highly recruited athletes, but because he's on a program like Clemson or Alabama or Ohio State or, you know, those are probably the three big ones that do this, that he's on a team filled with blue chip guys, right? Oh, and yeah. so And so he came into the season highly, highly talked about, right? Like, you know, oh, this guy is going to come blah, blah, blah. By the end of the season, everyone was accrediting all his success to all the people around him. Right and and right. and and saying that you know oh well it's it's Farrell stirs the drink on that defense blah, blah, blah. oh well how much of a pass rusher is this guy blah 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 I, I'm just gonna say that if this guy sh- if this guy shows up at 58 I you know whether you want to drop have him see if he can drop weight this is, be th- play at 320 whether you want to play him at 340 I, I just think that this is a guy who throughout his life has been highly regarded f- uh, football player. And has done nothing but kind of produce at that level, except for you know this last season when the expectations on him were extremely high. And and really, sure. I mean, again, how easy is it to meet expectations, uh, you know, high high expectations when you're on a team like Ohio State, Alabama, or Clemson? You're surrounded by other five star superstars on your team, right? Uh, so I, I think that there is a chance that. Because of positional value, because of who he is, because of the fact that people view him not as a pass rusher specifically, that he could fall. And there's a chance that maybe Dallas gets a guy who could be a dominant, dominant force in the middle of the defense. Yeah, so a couple of really quick notes on uh, Dexter Lawrence before we move on. Uh, you know how much I love factoring in age with my evaluations. Yes, he did. Just, tur- just turned 21 years old a couple wow. months ago. Really? really, really Yeah, really, really young. Oh my uh, God! For, that's for crazy. a frame of reference, he's two years oh, full, two years younger than Christian Wilkins, the the defensive tackle that played next to him. So, wow. still a lot of it, that guy could get stronger. Wouldn't be surprising if he got faster. Um, and I always like player comps. It's always kind of a fun thing to do. Uh, I can't take credit for this one. Lance Deerline had a great one here. How about Sean Rogers as a player comp? Remember Sean oh, Rogers? Oh my played god, for the Lions? D- Detroit player. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That is a good comp, I think. Yeah, I like I that. Like it. Yeah, that yeah. works. That totally yeah, that's works. Kind of a guy to keep an eye on. Um, kind of continuing with that theme a little bit. I, I just want to give a position that may surprise me. If the Cowboys take a tight end at 58, I'll be shocked. Yeah, uh, I would too. I, I, I know they've brought in some of the tight ends around that range. Jace Sternberger is a visit. A 30 visit, I believe Caden Smith is another one. Um, that would surprise me a little bit, but it wouldn't 
It wouldn't totally shock me. We know that the Cowboys want to continue to improve that position. They want to get a little bit more dynamic. And the other thing is, we're not really sure what to expect from Kellen Moore's tight ends. Are we going to see more vertical threats and more vertical routes from that position? It's possible. Maybe that's the reason why they're bringing in a Jay Sternberger to, to stretch the seam a little bit. So uh, that would be somewhat surprising, but not totally shocking. Any thoughts on tight end before we move on? It, well, just to kind of piggyback on that last point, it may be that the, they ha he has more defined roles as opposed, like, you know, like a move tight end versus an online tight end. So maybe we see a little bit of, uh, of that kind of delineation in the tight end room uh, with Kellamore. It'll be interesting to see. All right. Um, this next question comes from John. He wants to know about the new pass interference rules and just kind of our takes on it because... Um, I think it's a pretty noteworthy change with the NFL. If you haven't seen, uh, the coaches are allowed to challenge pass interference calls or non-pass interference calls anytime in the game. Uh, under two minutes, the, the booth has the ability to challenge that uh, or review it, excuse me. What are your thoughts on this, this new NFL now with the pass interference rules? Uh, I, you know, I think where it's going to be interesting is, first of all, I'm not. Uh, there's a lot of people talking about how it's going to slow down the game. I mean, I, I don't really know how that's going to happen. If, if, I mean, significantly, if if you get the same amount of challenges, like, what's the difference there? It doesn't really seem like there's a, a huge difference there. Um, I, I think the thing that I have concerns about is. Not so much when pass interference is called and that is challenged, but when it's not called and is challenged. That's I agree there. Yes. That's that's where I because man, that's like now you're watching a play in slow motion frame by frame that's a bang bang play and and trying to like yeah, I, th I think that's tough. Uh, just because of the, the frame of reference of how you're doing it, right? Like, there's no penalty right. called. It wasn't seen, bang, bang. And now, is there's a, any amount of penalty, you know, on any given play. Like, so you're now re-watching a play which someone did not call a penalty and trying to make a judgment on if there's enough to call a penalty. That's uh, tough. Like, well, it, my, con my concern is not during the, you know, the first 28 minutes of a half. Uh, because, you know, like you said, that, that's not going to change the challenge. What I'm afraid of is we get to these two-minute drills, and is every incompletion going to be reviewed? Because if there's any kind of contact within five yards, could that technically be called pass interference? That, that's my worry is that that's a good we're going to be gonna getting down stopping at the time in the, in the last yeah, two minutes. Yeah, because if a coach says, hey, there's some contact there, go back and look at it. Uh, how many of these plays are they going to go back and review? I, I think that's my concern. I, I'm hoping. Well, I'm hoping that the NFL kind of comes together and says we're only going to review or challenge ones that are egregious contact. Right? I, that that would only be the only way that I could see this working out. Well, let me let me just remove my uh, my. Well, I don't have a hat on, but let, let me just go ahead and put on my uh, fitted tin foil hat real quickly and tell sure. you that you know, hey, there's something to the idea that. Two last two minutes of a football game, especially a close game, is when all the eyeballs are there. Oh, absolutely! So I would not be surprised if the, you know, the, the television networks uh, are licking their chops at this with the idea that more and more of these timeouts getting called, you know, challenges, especially now that they're doing the 
picture-in-picture picture commercials on some of these networks you've seen now. Like, this is more... From golf. Thank you, golf. We, that's, yeah, they stole that. That's the best thing that they could have stolen from golf. <laughs> oh, stop it. Uh, uh, the, 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 I just think that... I, I think that, you know, that there's more opportunity now for them to run some more commercials. I, 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 for the owners and for, the, for the, the networks, I feel like this is a huge win. Yeah, I think there's going to be a transition period, kind of like there was with the, the helmet rule this year, right? Remember how in preseason and even the first couple of weeks of the season, it seemed like anytime there was any kind of contact, there was yeah, a flag. There'll be calibration for sure. I mean, at least Absolutely. it's not a new rule, though. That's that. I mean, right. like, you know, it's not like it's it's the same rule. They're still judging it with the same, uh, you know, the same standards. It's just now they're seeing it. Even and that's the other thing is that how often are they judging? I mean, they have not been trained to judge uh, uh, pass interference calls in slow motion. That I mean, as much as that sounds stupid, that that's going to be something that uh, uh, that is it needs to be considered because right, now right, you're absolutely. looking. I mean, trying to figure out like, oh well, how much of this is a penalty and how much of this is just I'm watching this play in slow motion and, and what looks very over exaggerated is actually just a, a brief blink of the eye and not even noticed by the receiver. So I, I think it's it's going to be we got to see it a little bit to get a better idea. My biggest concern is the consistency from game to game. Yeah. Kind of like the catch rule a couple of years ago. Remember where, depending on what game you were watching, the rules seemed to shift it on a catch. Uh, if, if one game, if they review it and there's any kind of contact, is it going to be pass interference? And then another game, it has to be egregious. It's just something that I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get used to. But I think in the end, especially, again, in the first 28 minutes of a half, this is going to be a good thing. Um, our last question comes from Andrew. He wants to know, what do you consider adequate compensation for Demarcus Lawrence if the Cowboys are forced to trade him? Well, first of all, I don't think the Cowboys are going to be forced to trade him, and I don't think they're going to trade him at all. No. Um, but hypothetically, if the Cowboys did decide, hey, this isn't working out, we want to move on, what would be like the least that you would trade him for? Was it Keith? Somebody's had a really good suggestion Yes. No, it was Je- it was Je- it was uh, Jeff Jeff Cavanaugh from 105.3 The Fan, who who suggested uh, Lawrence at 58 for somebody's first round and some change. The Jets. Yeah. The Jets. I- I'd be okay with something like that. I I agree. Like I don't. This is not something I. I don't. This is not something I want. Like I I I think the Cowboys are gonna uh, are gonna sign him. Um, I, I've always kind of felt that, even with a lot of this ra- sat, uh, uh, saber rattling, I, I, I feel like this is a, kind of what happens with a lot of these deals, and we just forget every time that you know that they, they that people take the gloves off and and and, and it gets ugly. And, and remember the Des one a couple years ago? Yeah. Oh my gosh! The, never never the, thought Des was going to play another snap in the in the right. Cowboys uniform. Right. And then they came out the Des tapes that were people oh. were talking about yeah, his commitment just... to the team, and it's 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 all no. I I hate this time of year for that because ultimately I'll bet you anything by the time we get to training camp, guess who's going to be there ready to go? Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah. It's just I I hate this arguing in the public. You know it, and negotiations it's it's annoying but we ultimately know how these things end 99 percent of the time right yeah it's and it's true and, and I, i'm hoping that that's what's going on here again um and i, I feel like it is so right. uh 
yeah, I, 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 that's that's where I think we are with that. So the the trade speculation is you know interesting, but again, like I think someone's brought it up. The injury part has kind of, or the the lack of surgery for him has has kind of ruined that avenue to a certain degree because you're not really getting a full season out of the guy before you're gonna have to re-sign him unless the team that's taking him is willing to make a long-term commitment to him obviously uh but i i I think it's it's kind of a moot point because i think that they're gonna figure it out yeah pay your stars and and especially pay your team leaders and that's what demarcus lawrence is and the cowboys will come to that conclusion and so will tank they'll they'll find an agreement here probably in the next couple months all right that is it for today's show thank you for tuning in make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on itunes or wherever you get your podcast Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.